Sermon number 629, Anatomy of Birth, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown, Sunday, December 24th, 1972. Text is Matthew, the first chapter, the 18th through the 25th verses. Who are Christian? Christmas is something more than just the celebration of Jesus' birthday. It's more than that. For to those of us who believe in the birth and the death of Jesus Christ, because of God's gift to us in his Son, we can celebrate life, life which began not only for Jesus but for you and for me, with a miracle, with a miracle on Christmas. Now, we're seeing many miracles these days. We know something about them. I saw one yesterday, I think. And I don't mean in a church, I mean at Three Rivers Stadium. <laughs> we know about miracles, do we not? And this is the time when we expect them, and after yesterday, many of us are very grateful for them. But this is the time when we celebrate not only the miracle of Jesus' birth, but your birth and my birth as well. For at Christmas we see that there never, never ever is a birth without preparation. All births have preparation. This is one of the reasons, you see, that we read the Old Testament. One of the reasons during the Advent season we prepare for another Christmas season. The Word of God, hundreds of years before the first Christmas, told that, yes, there would come a shoot from out of the stump of Jesse and that there would be brought forth a, a child who would grow up to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of his kingdom there would be no end. During the intertestament period, those of you who are studying that phase of Bethel, you know that though the people did not realize it until many, many years later, at the time of the intertestament period, God was preparing the world for the birth of Jesus Christ through the different factors like the conquests of Alexander the Great, through the Roman roads and the Roman unity and the Pax Romana, and also even through the, the sorrow and, and the longing for decency and justice that was in the hearts of so many people. God was using these things, all of them, to prepare the world for the greatest miracle the world has ever known, the birth of Jesus Christ. And then, in the fullness of time, which means not one minute too early nor one second too late, God brought forth his Son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons of God. The birth of Jesus Christ was no mistake, no fluke, 
No accident. But it was something that happened in the form of a birth only after many, many years of preparation. Jesus Christ's birth was not an accident. But there was preparation for it, and that is what we celebrate at Christmas because, you see, there is preparation that has gone into your birth and mine. And just as God came into the world in Jesus Christ in the fullness of time, you and I are here today because God, for some way and somehow, has prepared the world for us at a time like this. Now, that's marvelous. And I think this is one of the things that we catch when we celebrate life at Christmas. Why is it that always the days before Christmas are more exciting and thrilling than the days after Christmas? It's because of preparation. And I know I get caught up in it, with it, just like you do. We, we get tired. Our nerves uh, get to a new end of tension. We become frustrated, even irritable at times like this. But you know, that's good. All the celebration, and yes, even the commercialism, that's good. Because, you see, this is what builds the excitement and the spirit of expectancy. And this is what enables us to remember that at Christmas, not only Christ was born, but at Christmas we can celebrate birth. <coughs> the birth of our Lord, your birth, and my birth, births, all of them, which have come into this world only, even though we recognize not all of the signs or the causes, through the preparation of God's Spirit and providence. There's never a birth without preparation, and there's never a birth without a specific place. Do you realize that? No one is ever born nowhere, but everyone is born somewhere. The son of Andy and Margaret Bruder, Jim, Judd Wiley, and myself, we all lived for a time in the same town when we were young boys, the great city of Washington, Pennsylvania. I know many in that area are listening by radio this moment. And Judd Wiley and I were born in the same hospital, very famous place. <laughs> As you know, before coming to Bakerstown, I served for three years in Washington County. And as a minister, I spent many, many hours, and perhaps there were very few weeks that ever went by that I wasn't in the great Washington hospital, that great home of healing, at least two or three times each week. And being somewhat of a mystic, those of you who know me well, and a romanticist, every once in a while, while ministering in that hospital, I could not help but wonder at what particular spot or place was I born. I wondered where the exact corner was that God gave to me the light of day. One Sunday my mother was visiting me, as she is today, and I had to go to the hospital and she volunteered to travel with me the 18 miles to keep me company. And on the way I persuaded her to go into the hospital and to show me the place where I was born. 
She said she didn't think she could do it. She didn't think she could remember the spot. Imagine it, a great historical event like that. <laughs> but I persuaded her to go along, and after surveying the situation and scrutinizing the second floor and scratching her head a little bit, she showed me the spot. And I was somewhat disappointed, for in this enlarged, many times remodeled hospital, the place where she said, I was born. Today is a broom and a mop closet. <laughs> I was totally deflated, disappointed, and greatly discouraged. Almost to the extent of discouragement that I felt when I went the second time as well as the first time to Bethlehem in Judea. At this very moment, it is 5.46 p.m. in Bethlehem, on almost the other side of the world. It's Christmas Eve, right now. And as we will see later on our television screens and in tomorrow morning's newspaper, we'll see pictures of thousands of people who this very moment are crowding around the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem of modern-day Israel. The 37, many of whom are here today, members of this church and friends that were with us less than 10 weeks ago when we went into that beautiful church that is owned today jointly with the Romans, the Greeks, and the Armenians. We went in. I don't know how the rest felt, but for the second time I was greatly disappointed. The floor is dirty. The icons, which we are not accustomed to in our church, they're dusty. The tapestries that hang down in what I call the basement, which is the cave underneath the church, they're smelly. And the atmosphere down there in the cave, it's smoky from all of the candles and the incense burning. You crowd in down there, as many people are this very moment, and as we did ten weeks ago, to observe that star, gold star, that is there in the floor, which marks the traditional spot where Jesus Christ was born. And then you turn over to the right, where there's another altar, which is built supposedly upon the site where the manger was, where Jesus Christ was placed, wrapped in swaddling clothes. It was quite a disappointment each time that I saw it. And I could not help but think as I reflected in writing this sermon how I wondered if Jesus at times was disappointed in the place of his birth. We sing away with a manger, or away in a manger. Maybe he wanted to sing away with the manger. For as Ernie Camel tells us, probably the night Jesus Christ was born, that stable, that place, it was the type of place we would have gone to with hip boots and a can of Lysol spray. I'm sure that many times Jesus Christ was just as disappointed in his place of birth as you and I. We sometimes are disappointed in our places of birth. But you know, at Christmas, it really doesn't matter where we were born. 
We're just happy that God in his providence has brought us to life. And this is what we celebrate. And we're thankful for the place even though we may not like it because nobody is ever born without a birthplace. And at Christmas time we think of the birthplace, but it's secondary because we're thankful for birth. And also at Christmas we remember that there can be no birth without parents. Parents. That's why I think I read today the passage about Joseph, because I feel sorry for poor Joe at Christmas time. He always gets pushed into the background. He very seldom is in the Christmas pageant. You hardly see him on the front of a, of a Christmas greeting. But Joseph was there, and Joseph was just as important to the nativity scene as was Mary. God made sure of that because God, in his wisdom, when he set up the creation of the world, made birth impossible except through parents. But, you know, Mary's birth of Jesus, this was rather special. And Mary was loved by Joseph, and when suddenly one day she told him that she was going to have a baby, and he knew that it was biologically and physically impossible for him to have been the father, he decided that he would divorce the woman or break the engagement. And then the angel of the Lord appeared under Joseph in a dream and told him to fear not, for what had happened to Mary had been done by the Holy Spirit, that she had conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and would bring forth a son whose name would be Jesus and who would save the world from sin. And when Joseph awoke, he went and he married Mary. And though he did not know the intimacy which is reserved for love and for marriage, until after Jesus Christ was born. Jesus Christ was born not only with a mother, Mary, but also with a father, Joseph. And that's why at Christmas time we celebrate life, life which comes from birth, birth which cannot be without parents. And that's why at Christmas time we try to get together with our families. That is why the centers of transportation are so crowded this weekend. That is why the great systems of communication will be crowded today and tomorrow. That is why our cemeteries are filled with reeds. Because fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, mean more Christmas than at any other time. And when in the providence of God we spend that first Christmas without a father or a mother or a husband and a wife, a son and a daughter, or a brother and a sister, as many people are this Christmas, something seems wrong. But thank God for the happy memories that we have of past holidays and thank God for the hope that we have in the holy day that is coming when Jesus Christ comes again and where we shall never be separated ever again from our parents who are in Jesus Christ. There's no birth without parents and there's no birth without pain. 
I've heard doctors say it, but I listen more to the mothers who have gone through it and experienced it, that the worst kind of pain possible is that pain that comes with childbirth. And because of my particular work in this life, sometimes I have stood in those labor rooms beside helpless husbands as together we watch his wife grimace in pain and in agony in the process of childbirth. Many of you have been through it. And you know there's only one thing that can ever erase the signs the signs and the sighs and the sounds of, of such agony. And that is when later in the day, or perhaps the next day, we visit in the room. The mother is tired, weary, and exhausted, but happy. And we pray together for the great blessing which has come and which now is greater than the pain that had to precede it. What's true in human life is true in everything that comes into life. There is no birth ever without pain, and may we never forget it. If God has placed in you the embryo of either a person, an idea, a new invention, a new concept, a new feeling, perhaps even of love, that particular idea, factor, whatever it is, will never be born except with pain. That's the way it is in life. Salvation was not wrought for us except by the pain of the cross. Love really does not become born in us until we have suffered long and hard. There is never peace and without the pain of war. And even when a person is born again by the Spirit in Jesus, of Jesus Christ, there never is a rebirth without the pain of sin. It's a point of life. And one of the things we should remember on this Christmas Eve day is though there is no war or no peace in Southeast Asia, and 12,000 people yesterday were killed in an earthquake, we must remember at this time, you see, that there is never any birth without pain. It all works out when we realize, yes, there is never birth, though, without purpose. There's a purpose. Jesus Christ was born with a purpose. God sent his Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He had a purpose in this life, and you and I have a purpose in this life. And the thing we should always remember, though, on Christmas Day, Jesus and the people around him did not know what that purpose really was. God knew it, who had created Jesus and who creates you and me. We don't know the purpose that we have here in life. Jesus' purpose was not fully revealed until Easter, and that's the case with you and me, ladies and gentlemen. Though we have a purpose for living, our purpose will not be fully known by us or by others until our Easter. And then we look back in retrospect and we realize God brought us into this world at this specific time. He has prepared the play for us. He has given us our places of birth, our parents in birth. 
There's never birth in our life without pain, but all of it has a purpose. And if we remain true to his word and follow the leading of his spirit, in the Easter's of our lives, his will will have been done, and you and I will have found our destiny. That's the thrill of Christmas. When we realize we are here in this beautiful church, we are privileged to live this 24th day of December in 1972, because God has a purpose for you and for me, as he had a purpose when he brought Jesus to Bethlehem. So ladies and gentlemen, as your pastor and as your friend, the merriest of Christmases I can give to you with this simple thought, remember, no matter how much war, trouble, discouragement in your life, no matter how much pain and how much you hate the place where you were born, Merry Christmas, because you can know for assurance this is an hour for which you were born. Amen. Father, we're thankful that we can be alive on the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And now may the grace of our Lord God, Jesus, the love of God, and the power of his Holy Spirit be and abide with us all now and forevermore. Amen.